Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Touch back for Arfield. What a Burnley. Scott Arfield. He's been threatening that recently. And all the Burnley players run to the Darwin end. What a goal from Robbie Blake! Burnley's first goal in the Premier League is something very, very special. Wade Elliott has that change of pace and he's got away from Montgomery. It's the path of McCann and the fire finds the net. What a strike from Wade Elliott. A bolt from the Clarendon Blue. I mean, if there's any justice in the world, Burnley would surely score from this corner. Swung right in there. Ball in there. Yes! Michael Kellan! Oh, that's justice! That is justice at the Amex Stadium! Burnley are level and deserve to be! Hello everybody and welcome back to the latest episode of the Turfcast podcast pre-game show with me, Joe Evan, ahead of this Friday's game evening kickoff against West Bromwich Albion at Turf Moor. Um, I think at the minute the informed side is Burnley, I'd shock. Um, the second informed team is Sheffield United. I think after that it's West Brom. Um, I think this is going to be a bit of a difficult one, Clarence, compared to the last few games that we've had. And we've been not been playing very well. I, in fact, first thing, <laughs> I got a bit of stick. I know I've addressed this on the full-time show, but I'll just talk about it for just myself a little bit. Um, on my personal Twitter account, at Jolton Red, follow me if you want to, um, I put up after the Coventry game that it's becoming a bit of a concern because we haven't played well now, apart from the Bournemouth game in the Cup, um, in the league since... 
what the QPR game or something like that. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it was. I think it was a QPR game where we went to QPR and won quite comfortably. Uh, but since then, we um, dug out. Dug out is the best way of saying it, but dug out a win against Stoke City, dug out a win against Swansea, and then dug out a win against Coventry. I think all three of them games, we can all admit that Burnley weren't at their best, barely got out of first gear um, in any of them games, probably should have been 2-0 down against Coventry, let's be honest. If they knew how to finish, um, the lad, I don't know the lad, number 45, he should have scored in the first half and, and Big Vic should have scored early in the second half. We should have been 2-0 down. We should have been 2-0 down. Um so it's a worry that for me going into this game. I know people always say, oh, if you're not playing well and winning games, it's a sign of a good team. And I respect that it is, but it's not sustainable, is it? You can't play poorly all season and go up if you're playing poorly. We, we are where we are because we've been playing very, very well from the majority of the season, apart from the last few games. So with the form that West Brom are in, I think that we need to probably play a little bit better on Friday. But my worry is, A, we're not playing very well. B, they are playing very well. And C, we are now without Taylor Harewood Bellis and Jack Cork. Of course, Taylor Harewood Bellis picked up an ankle or foot injury, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, uh, against Bournemouth, a game that he shouldn't have been playing in. Um, and Jack Cork, of course, has a two match suspension now. I'm not sure if he misses the Millwall game after the West Brom game or the Norwich game. I'm not sure exactly on that. Hopefully, it's a Millwall game um, because. Um, don't want to miss in Norwich and West Brom because Norwich are in better form as well. They were early in the season. West Brom are in better form, um, as are Middlesbrough. But we played Middlesbrough recently, so we'll have to worry about them for a while. Um, but 16 points is your gap to third. So we've got a bit of breathing space, haven't we? We, we? we could realistically lose against West Brom, lose against Norwich. The rest of the league would be going, ha-ha, look at Burnley. They're not actually that good. But we'd still have a very, very big, probably about 14, 13 points. So I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, I don't think we'll lose both games, if I'm being honest, or even without Cork and, and Harewood Bellis. West Brom have impressed me since uh, the new manager's come in, Carlos. Um, and Norwich have a bit, but they're still a little bit not all there yet, I think. Anyway, let's bring a West Brom fan in, of course. Um West Brom fans will know more about me uh, on the subject of West Brom. And I am proud to introduce Matt from WBA Report. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank you, Matt. Thanks for having me on. No, no, thank you for coming on, mate, as well. I know you've got a, um, something to do later on and you're busy this evening, so thank you for squeezing me in. But let's talk about West Brom then, because I don't know your exact form, but I'll just quickly get the results up on my screen now. Um, of course, you played last night in the FA Cup. Dismissed Chesterfield 4-0. Won't look too much into that because I presume you played sort of like a, a weaker team. Um, yeah. But 2-0 down against Luton. You know, at Luton, very impressive. Come to win 3-2. Um, again, an FA Cup game against Chesterfield. Uh, again, probably a weakened side, so I'm not going to look into that too much. Um, beat Reading, beat West Brom. Uh, sorry, not West Brom, you are West Brom. Beat Preston, beat Bristol City. Got beat against Coventry, but beat Rotherham, beat Sunderland. Um, beat Stoke, beat QPR, beat Blackpool, and then there's a loss there to Sheffield United, a loss there to Millwall. But I presume that's around the time that Bruce got sacked. But since the new gaff has come in, it's very, very, very impressive. And like I said earlier, the only two teams that are in better form than you right now were us and Sheffield United. So you must be very impressed with the way that things have been turned around. Oh, massively. And a lot, a lot of people I've seen have said that Carlos Corbran has sort of worked a miracle and he. he added a bit of magic to this squad really or, or the results have been incredible and whilst I do agree with an element of that I do also think that this squad is performing in the way you sort of expect it in this yeah. division there's a, there's a lot of strong names for the championship um, just look at our, our summer business we brought in two of the best players in the league last year in Jed Wallace and, and John Swift so you'd certainly expect because I think on paper you're definitely looking at 
playoffs, at least for this squad. Um, of course, there are some some weaknesses in some areas that you'd still like to improve on. However, uh, I'm I'm happy to see Carlos Corbin actually getting the get the maximum out of this squad, which is still um, what you need from a, man, a manager, and it's something Steve Bruce couldn't do at all. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Steve Bruce, so we're going to wait until later, but let's touch on him a little bit there. Is he as bad as everyone makes out? Because I, I feel like he was harshly treated at Newcastle. Um, if he'd have had the money, that Eddie, I don't think he'd have done anywhere near as well as Eddie Howe's done. Like, I'll put that out there right now. But I, I, they wouldn't have been as poor. I think he's kind of sort of like been... So like Sean Dyche always talks about how he gets pigeonholed into a certain characteristic of manager. And I think that Steve Bruce got pigeonholed into that because the money wasn't overly there at Newcastle under Ashley. Um, but obviously with you, he made a couple of signings, like you said, some good signings in the summer, um, Swift and Wallace. Um, but you never really, never really did that well. You were languishing in the bottom three, four, weren't you, for a while? I was actually impressed when we played you down at the Hawthorns, though. You defended mm. quite well. Obviously got that 98th minute equaliser, ridiculous, whatever it was. Um, and I was actually thinking, oh, they're a decent side. I'll take a point against these. So you were impressive, but I don't know. It's weird. Like you always felt like you're being held back. Is, is that fair enough? Well, I, I certainly think what you just said there on your impressions from when we played you early on in the season. I think the first seven or eight teams we played would probably be thinking uh, a very similar thing, because I think we, we sort of we drew you know, six or seven. I said that out of the first eight or so games, and and the one yeah. we lost at Blackburn was. Um, quite quite unjust, you know. I think they scored two two worldies, and you know a, a draw would have been fair in that one, to be honest. So um, it, it's tough when you look at Steve Bruce. What I would say is that he was given a a fair chance at the Hawthorns. He came in obviously after he sacked uh, Ishmael last season and couldn't turn it around. You know, he just sort of continued the the uh, slope downwards, and then as you said, the summer business was impressive. Um, and I've seen a few shouts. Then, oh, Steve Bruce might make a great uh, director of football or, or that sort of thing. He's definitely got an eye for a player, and we've seen that across the last 20, 30 years um, that he's been in management. However, uh, I think ultimately uh, his time has uh, has come to hang his, I don't know, suit up as a manager. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, and again, I agree with you. At Newcastle, he would have done better than he did had he been given the money at uh, Eddie Howard, although. Has done fantastically and deserves all the plaudits. And the stuff coming out from Albion after he's sacked, and, and you know, Steve Bruce wouldn't do any coaching. Um, you know, there's a reason we brought in three or four coaches with him alongside him. Uh, you know, um, there are a few interviews from players asking, you know, what's Corbrand done so well? How has he transitioned this team from, that was bottom in October to, um, you know, looking strong playoff contenders? And there's been a few sort of subtle digs in there aimed at coaching and, and, and tactical um, sort of plans. So you get that sort of vibe from Steve Bruce that he's yesterday's man in yeah. terms of coaching and the way the modern game has, has, has moved on. Um, but yeah, it was it was a weird start to the season. As I said, we weren't playing too badly in, in, in a lot of the games. But to answer your question, I, I, I do think we were probably being held back. Well, you, I don't think you can argue that we were being hot, yeah. uh, held back by Steve Bruce um, compared to the results under Carlos Corbran now. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting that about the coaching thing. It does sound a bit like 1980s, that, doesn't it? Which is, of course, when <laughs> Steve Bruce had been playing. But however, like I, those regular listeners to the podcast will know I used to work at Bradford City doing like media team stuff and I'd sometimes film training. And um, I can't remember their manager's name now. Off the top of my head, I've had a, had a bit of a brain freeze. Um, Stuart, Stuart, I can't remember his name, Ginger Guy. Stuart um, that's Super the guy, cool, yeah, yeah, him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super cool. Um, he wouldn't take every training session. Sometimes he'd, he'd, he'd just walk out with a coffee like 15 minutes before the end, ask his coach how everyone's got on, and then walk back ready to do the debrief and stuff like that. So, well, it's, it's like 
Sir Alex Ferguson wouldn't really take yeah, exactly. any training sessions, would he? You know, it'd be Carlos Quiroz or he had numerous assistants, and I think that was probably all whole part of the plan yeah. is refresh your coaching team and, and probably for that reason because they do so much of the work. Um, but uh, obviously, uh, maybe that whole sort of um, old fashioned sort of mentality yeah. stems throughout the coaching staff and, and you know, looking at uh, analysis, you know, there's so much in the game. Um, yeah. nowadays that has moved on I would also add sorry to, to interrupt you that Steve Bruce probably was held back in some ways by um, the club's recruitment uh, sort of I suppose procedure recruitment uh, strategy effectively um, Albion have no scouting network and I, I, I look at Burnley and some of the players have signed I've never heard of them before and there's, there's more I see the I've never we. heard of these players but look yeah. how good they are they're exactly. incredible Whereas, and and this, will, this is probably make Burnley fans laugh, but they might not have heard. Again, it, from credible sources, from the Athletic, Eric Peters, who we brought in a, a, as, a, as a free signing, happened to be Steve Bruce's neighbour. <laughs> you'll know that. Peters very well, of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, there you go. And Thomas Asante was also playing for Salford City, who Steve Bruce came across um, through watching his son-in-law at Salford City, Matt Smith, the big striker uh, name, share the same name. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, that just goes to show that there are limitations going on around the club too. It's interesting though, you say that about Burnley. People are looking at Burnley going, oh, they're bringing in these players that no one's ever heard of, but they're class. Like obviously, Zorora, oh, yeah. most people wouldn't have heard of Zorora. Same with Benson. Um, we just brought in a, a centre-back that I've never heard of. There's a few people on Twitter going, yeah, I know him. he is very, very well. I'm sure you do, mate. Um, but it's one of them. But um, it's interesting you say that about Burnley because we used to have a joke about Burnley because we'd only ever sign players from Stoke. Eric Peters came from Stoke. <laughs> Peter Crouch came from Stoke. So our scouting system was literally... Probably got thirty quid petrol to get down to Stoke and then just watch Stoke players and and then and then and then find out your way back. Um, so we, we've changed quite a lot, mate. So I, I feel yeah. I feel your pain. Uh, I feel your pain. Um, obviously, we're talking about how well you've turned it around since Cobran's come in. What's different then? What what's he changed? Obviously, the manager's changed. I get that, but what's he what's he done that's come in that you can look at between a Steve Bruce team and a Cobran team and say that's different? Is it different formation, different style, different ethos, different sort of like mentality? What is it? So, yeah, and to be honest, mentioning the coaching and saying, you know, it's being referenced credibly uh, and the players have suggested that and you can tell watching watching the uh, team under under both managers, um, there's a clear, clear identity within the team now. It, it looks as if every player understands their role in the team. Um, look, watch it, watching last night, in, in the cup game, I could easily uh, tell you what our plans were in possession, out of possession, um, you know, every player's individual role within within the system, whereas under Steve Bruce, it was more like you, you put 11 lads on the pitch and let them go sort of, you know, express themselves, this and that. Um, so massive, massive uh, sort of tactical identity there now under under Corbyn. The players look, uh, look a lot fitter, I should mention. Um, which again, how uh, sort of how adept was Steve Bruce at implementing Sort of modern uh, methods with that. I'm not going to waffle on about Steve Bruce. However, uh, that's a, that's another aspect. Uh, I think the mentality. Look, a team sort of rejuvenated. Um, Luton at uh, the weekend, whilst I, was, I sadly wasn't there, um, from everyone that that was and that watched the game the whole 90 minutes, it seemed as if there wasn't much doubt that we'd at least come back and, and not losing that game, despite going two 0 down within. What ten minutes, and that—that's just yeah. uh, you know testament to what Corbrand's doing. So even that mentality is, is a lot different. 
It's interesting that you say that. I remember we went 2-0 down at Sunderland and I was there and I remember thinking, I, I kind of feel like we're going to get back into this. Um, second half was so much better and we won 4-2. Um, probably my favourite game so far this season, apart from sticking three past Blackman, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, you, uh, it's interesting because your sort of like mentality on the season must have changed so much now, mustn't it? Because... Obviously, I presume you were, whether you were worried about going down or not, it's a different thing, but I presume there were slight worries about where you were going to go this season, probably mm-hmm. earlier in the season until Corbrand's come in. Like you mentioned, you were bottom in October. Uh, I think I think the league's starting to take a little bit more shape, though, now. Obviously, you've come up. A lot of people predicted you to be on top top sort of like three, four battle. Yeah. Um, without that poor start, you probably would have been. Um, it's just that it's just a us, us and Sheffield United have just basically took the piss and, and you know 16 points clear we are a third and I think Sheffield United are 11 points clear a third uh, then you've got probably all the usual suspects really apart from Blackburn you've got your Watford your Middlesbrough who people predicted to do well then you've got Blackburn then you've got West Brom then you've got Norwich so I think that top six apart from Blackburn pretty much is, is spot on and just swap Norwich and Blackburn around it and you're pretty much there I think I think from pretty much everyone's predictions for the start of the season um, what are you thinking now that this team can do then are you thinking top two is probably a little bit too far because of the points gap that us and Sheffield United have got? Are you thinking maybe just consolidate this playoff place and go from there? Is that your aim for the season now? Yeah, it's been a funny one. And I think my girlfriend would probably tell you over anyone how worried I was about being in a relegation battle you know, come October. You know, bottom, bottom of the league, you know, I think I saw a stat the other night. No team who was bottom at the point uh, we were has come in the top half, let alone playoffs or promotion yeah, right. or any of that. Which is, it has been an yeah. incredible turnaround. Don't get me right, and it sort of blows my mind to an extent. Um, and, and, and so when Corbrand took over, we got a couple of wins. It was initially about winning, 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 and see where that takes us away from danger. Mm. Now it was then, you know, can we can we establish ourselves as contenders for the playoffs, getting in the mix? That's what we've done, and now we've moved into the playoffs. Um, I think personally, I can't speak for the club and the players, but I think our, our vision has to be on um, moving moving third, um, and then then you're hunting down the top two. I know that points gap is massive. Um, say hypothetically, if we did win on on Friday, you said just before the show we would move above Blackburn into third, which would be eight, and then it's just you, you're the chasers, aren't you? Um, you'd rather be the hunters than the ones being hunted. And that mentality, I think, is suiting Albion. Uh, well, it has suited Albion since Corbyn took over. Just looking above you, or sort of maybe not looking above you, but just winning until uh, that takes yeah. that next step. So, if we can uh, get 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 to third, or even establish ourselves comfortably in the playoffs, why not just have a siege mentality and go all out, pushing, pushing, pushing for the top two? I doubt we'll get it. I don't think we will. Um, I'm happy to say that. However, look at Nottingham Forest last year. I know, obviously, everyone says Cooper took them from um, bottom to the playoffs and they went up, but they were within one game of um, top two if they were at Bournemouth last year. That's how close it can get. Albion, uh, Albion, one of Albion's best ever seasons, um, especially in in modern history, was uh, hunting Wolves from uh, 11 points behind to go up automatically um, in second. So, you know, it's not, not too dissimilar of a points gap there so I think for now let's establish ourselves in the in the playoffs of course but then why not just um, hunt down and uh, and see where that takes us because I remember Slavin Bilic saying last time we went up which I think I, I would compare that season to, to what we're seeing now Leeds and, uh, and Albion were you know almost 10 points clear like the whole season up until lockdown mm. and then play resumed uh, looking at Burnley and, and Sheffield United now you'd imagine that they've got it plain sailing but Bilic and, and the players were, were quite uh, sort of significant in saying 
this this pressure did not did not um we didn't we didn't react well to the pressure and it would rather be the ones doing the um the hunting in terms of that mentality and they just crumbled so let's try and thrive on being in that position instead of the ones under pressure yeah do you think obviously it's a very good form that you're in at the minute um do you think it's maintainable or do, or do you think or do you think you'll drop away it's, it's one of them in it like it's the first time this season you've been in such good form so a couple of defeats and it's going to be interesting to see how you bounce back if of course you do have a couple of defeats you might not do um whereas i think we've lost twice all season and both times we've bounced back from it brilliantly so i think even if we do lose on friday or something like that against norwich i think we'll be all right i just we just we you'd spot there a bit about mentality i, I look at this burner team now i think they have a very good mentality i think if we do lose on friday i think it would be a case of right reset start again go on another class run um so it's interesting but do you think do you think your form's maintainable or do, or do you think you'll drop away slightly it's a good point you make about mentality. All the top teams from whether you're trying to win League Two or you're trying to win the Premier League must have it. I think, look at Arsenal now. What's the difference between teams that we've seen uh, of Arsenal in the last couple of years with Wenger yeah. and, and, and Emery, especially Wenger, that, you know, the end of his era, they would crumble apart. And, you know, I've seen Albion put three goals past them. You think, how's that happened? And it's just, I think they were so weak mentally um, that, that they couldn't maintain a, a spell of results. And, uh, you reference Burnley there bouncing back on when Wolves went up under under Nuno a couple of years ago. Obviously, keeping a close eye on them, that every every setback they'd have the the respond from. Uh, it, it's vital, and I think looking at that Coventry game, which which uh, was well, I think we lost to Sheffield United in his first match, but um, Coventry was the one game uh, under Corbyn that we lost was on a, on a good run, and the response from that was very encouraging too. Coventry yeah. deserved to win on the night, by far the better team, uh, and actually seeing. Uh, our response from that does actually give me faith that we could possibly carry it yeah. on. Um, yeah. Of course, you'd, you'd like to think we're winning so many games. It, it, is it sustainable? Uh, but again, we deserve to win everyone that we have. Um, and the, the loss at Coventry was fair enough too. So um, do I think the performances uh, have been worthy of, of wins and we've been, and we haven't been lucky? I, I do for sure. Um, I, I, of course, we're not going to win every game from now to the end of the season. We will lose some. That might come on Friday. I wouldn't be too surprised. But, over the over the long term, I'm, I'm at, until the end of the season. I'm actually going to be quite bold and say, I think we can um, continue a positive upwards curve instead of dip and, and, and fall away. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, you mentioned Derek Peters. Um, obviously, Burnley fans mm. have fond memories of Peters. Probably not the the best defender we've ever had, but he's one of them. You know, he wears his heart on his sleeves, and you can tell he cares about the the performance and the club. And how's he settled in there? Is he playing centre back, full back? I think mm. last time I checked, he was playing centre back, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, which is interesting because I know he's not the fastest in the world. So I presume you're playing a deep line. Is that is that is that fair? Are you playing a deep line with Peters, or are you playing high? You're playing high. I think we can expose you with <laughs> Peters at the back. Well, saying saying that, I think I think you might do so. Um. We, as I said, we signed Peters because we had a disastrous deadline day. Um, we had two signings ready to ready to go. They'd done the medicals, all that. And then an administrative error meant both were sent back down the motorway. I couldn't sign Onoma and Alzate, so two decent signings for this level. Uh, and there was uproar. And then we bring in Eric Peters, who turned out to be Bruce's neighbour um, in Cheshire, which is, you know. But out of all the sort of three agents, you know, we brought in Martin Kelly, Tom Rogic, and... Um, to be honest, I think Peter's probably been the best out of out of that yeah. bunch. He's been playing centre back, and I can't quite. It was Rotherham, I think, to be honest. Um, I would say that whilst we beat them three or four nil, whatever it was, um, they were 
getting in or coming close to getting in through um, on Dan Peters' side. And his lack of pace is extremely mm. visible to me. I haven't yeah. really seen it referenced in, uh, amongst Albion fans because we've been winning. And been, we've been keeping, our defensive record has been phenomenal as well as going forward. And he's been a big part of that. Don't get me wrong. He's barely put a foot wrong. However, I do see, I like to try and watch the game tactically and, and really closely at things. And Peter's lack of pace has been visible to me. Whether teams haven't really exposed it themselves, you'd like to think they can see it too. But maybe for some reason, you know, maybe Dara O'Shea uh, a bit quicker helps with that. Uh, the goalkeeper's been quick off his line a few times. So um, I think it is there, that lack of pace. And I know Burnley do have, um, especially some of the players we mentioned, some of the new signings, uh, are quite quick across the ground. They're dangerous. You don't want to get in a race with them. Put it Nathan Teller, I would not want to race. So. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, the point I was going to make. If we're struggling a little bit, for example, and Peters is getting a little bit tired and it's 1-0 to you, boys, I think Nathan Teller will be introduced earlier. That's exactly what happened against Coventry on Saturday. Uh, we brought in Goodmanson at half-time. Jack Court went off. We brought in Goodmanson. We started to get his foot on the ball a bit more, but they were still probably the better side for the first five, ten minutes. Then we brought Nathan Teller in. And because he's so quick, we can then play this long ball over the top, which we don't really do anymore. But when Teller's there, we just think, well, sod it, he's fast, we'll do it. Then he he proper bolts it, picks the ball up. Coventry then start thinking, shit, he's well fast. So then they sit back. And Coventry had been winning the midfield battle all game. So then that helps us get on the ball in the yeah, middle yeah. of the park. And then we start getting his foot It's a mentality thing, isn't it? Exactly, Like, yeah. like, like we are saying previously, you know, I think fans don't quite look into the mental side of things, how big they are. Um, and, and a change like that can put the opposition under immense mental pressure. And it sounds like you paid off. I was interested to see Gokka has not played too well then. You couldn't really... No, it, it's weird. In front of goal, it was dreadful. But everywhere else, it was fantastic. The movement, mm. first half especially, first 55 minutes, it, it was sent out because we've been linked with him. I think it's a little bit far-fetched when teams like Everton and Brentford are looking at him. But, you know, if he's still there in the summer and we've gone up, you never know. But apparently we've been looking at him and I was saying to my dad, I because I, I, I go on the game with my dad, I was, I was watching him saying, if, if there's any chance that we can get this guy, then, then get him in now because he's sensation. His movement, it, it dragged defenders yeah. out wide and then, then there'd be spacing behind for these other players. His movement was That's sensational. That's what you want. Exactly, but there were one. There were one chance he had in the second half, really early on. Uh, he was one on one with the goalkeeper. Tried to take it round him, took too long. Muric did very well, to be fair. Um, and then a couple of players got back, and then he shot, and it went high and wide, and it, it was just a little bit. If he were good in front of goal, he'd have scored that. Well, it's interesting um, because again, I said I like to watch players closely in tactics. The movement of a strike can be critical. Um, yeah, we scored a goal last night in, in the cup, and I, whilst I was obviously happy to have scored. I was so critical of the movement of a, of a young striker of ours because the ball went in behind and he just made no uh, effort to get in front of his man. You've got to have that desire as a striker to put yourself yeah. in the best possible position. So then, you know, you make your own tuckings and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, again, he wasn't the greatest for us, but Charlie Austin, a couple of times I'd see a movement in game a yard, again, a yard on the defender, maybe not the quickest, but to get that space. And it, I think it's, it's huge as a striker. The best will do it. And from what I've seen of Giocares, He's certainly got that. The link-up play, the movement is fantastic. And I suppose you're not going to put every chance you get away. Um, but mm. to, to hear that, you know, that you've also highlighted his movement and, and, and that side of the game does, you know, only raise sort of my impression of him even better. Yeah, yeah. It, it put it this way: it, it'd clean up in a Burnley side with the amount of chances that we create. I <laughs> yeah. think. I think. Um, I, I remember a few Coventry fans saying he's not that great in front of goal, though. Um, and and this issue, uh, the, the chance he had on on Saturday highlighted that. So it's uh, it's interesting. Um, the actual game itself, then, how he expected it to pan out. Not necessarily. Uh, 
a prediction, a, a score, but how are you expecting to sort of like line up against us tactically? How are you expecting to approach the game tactically? Do you think you'll get in our faces? Do you think you'll try and pass us off the park? Do you think you'll try and keep the ball? What do you think you're going to do? So I, I don't think Albion will go gung-ho in one way or another. I think um, the way we played under, under Carlos Corbran has just been, I think the best word to, to describe would be balanced. We've been fantastically balanced. Um, our defensive record has been sensational. Luton was a bit of a, not, a bit of a sort of a, Anomaly there, conceding two goals so early on, um, but 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 equally, look, we can we can score three, we can put three past teams. So I'd expect Albion to um, to threaten when we have the ball and to not hold back in terms of uh, you know, using all attacking options and getting the ball to our, our better attacking players, getting the ball up to Daryl DK. You know, sometimes we might bypassing and go long up to him and get bodies around you quickly with. Um, with quality, and I thought John Swift was magnificent in the cup last night, and I sort of needed to see him after a bit few inconsistent showings. So um, I, I'm I'm not saying we're we're going to go and press high up, and we're going to commit loads of bodies forward, um, and Burnley will just play us off the park because we're the best team in the league, and um, we know that's going to be that's going to be too risky. So I'll be sort of tend, tend to operate like a mid block and. Um, that defensive line can be quite high. Maybe we might have to drop that off with, with the pace that you do have. But I, I think we'll go there looking to play. Um, play for. We need to win every game now. If we have got aspirations of maybe pushing top two, we've got to go there and win um, every game. You've got to have that mentality to win. Uh, for me, I just want to see a good performance. I'm not expecting a win. Uh, you know, I, To be honest, I'm probably expecting a, a, a defeat. I, I'd take a draw if you offered me that now despite just saying we have to win every game if we, if we want to get automatics. Um, but, yeah, I want to see a good performance. Because, as I said, Burnley are the best team in this league. I want to see Albion go head-to-head with Burnley. And then that will tell me that we're, we're there or thereabouts, as Steve Bruce loved to say. The great Steve Bruce saying that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, what, what are you expecting from Burnley then, of course? like obviously, It's interesting. You mentioned there that you do feel like we are the best team in the league. It's always good to hear people say that, but I think obviously the league table speaks volumes. I think anyone runs as close. It's Sheffield United. The fact that they, they dicked us 5-2 down at their place, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, it, it were interesting, that game, because not to give our weaknesses away to, to a West Brom well, fan. Set but pieces, it, if I remember exactly right. That, wasn't it? Exactly yeah. that. They just said, right, just start lumping it up towards their defence and their goalkeeper and they'll yeah. crumble. That's exactly what we did. But I think since then, I don't think we have, well, I know we haven't lost since then. Uh, we've, been, we've probably won about near, what, near enough 10 games since then. I don't know. I've not, I've not got the stats in front of me, but we've been sen- sensational mm. since then. Um, we are without Taylor Howard Bellis, and I think that's why we were so poor in the first half against Coventry, because you have to adapt. And now we have to adapt to being without Taylor Howard Bellis and Jack Cox. So I'm a little bit worried about this game, as I mentioned earlier, if I'm honest. You said there, if I could offer you a draw now, you'd take it. I, 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 know, I know some people give me stick for not being the most positive person in the world, especially when we've just won, what, five, six, seven games in a row, whatever it is. But I, I'd take a draw now with the form that you're in and the fact that we have Jack Cork and Taylor Hare with Bellis missing. But what sort of a game are you expecting from the Clarets? Yes, yeah, so I didn't realise that you'd been um, poor uh, in the in the last, couple, uh, what, two or three, three games, really. I just... Whenever I've seen Burnley, this even that Sheffield United game though, going forward it looked like you could score at any time. You did get yeah. two goals, didn't you? I think I think that's probably fair. I watched the QPR game, uh, obviously playing us early, earlier in the season um, was was a, was an even game. So now hearing that you haven't maybe been on top form is giving me a bit more confidence because I'd like to say we're coming in um, sort of almost at, at our peak, and then. Burnley may be uh, uh, dropping off. That can work two ways, can't it? You know, will 
um, will we maybe then carry on that momentum and uh, uh, win the game? But because you played poor and won these games too, does that then give you a better chance? It's, it's an interesting one to, to think about. However, um, I think the absences of Harwood Bellis, I had no idea about. And I know, I know he's been impressive this season. And I, I think he's been liked for every play. That, is it Bert, was he Blackburn as well? Uh, yeah, he, he played at Blackburn yeah. last season, I think. Yeah, or the there season you go. Before. Uh, so that's that's giving me a bit more confidence. And I know Jack Cork's out as well. I had seen that one on social media, and it, he, I'm not sure whether he's been starting every game or not. But he's he, he's always been a, a good player. So that's as I say, give me a bit more faith. Um, I'm expecting Burnley obviously to come out the blocks flying. Like whilst you haven't been in in top form in front of a, a home crowd, I, I'm sure there'll be plenty there. Um, from home fans, Sky Sports under the floodlights. I'd expect you to come out with confidence, even though you might have not played well. Um, and, but then again, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of players in that Burnley that are still unknown quantities. I mean, you know, Benson and Zahori's that have been fantastic. Those are two that have caught my my eye out of the the new signing. So I'm expecting you to to come at us, and it w- it won't be easy. I, even though, yes, you said you played poorly, I'm not expecting us to come here and dominate at all. Um, but I'm intrigued to see if your poor form uh, or performances, sorry, more so, yeah. can um, sort of could that be seen in, in the game? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. We'll get on to predictions then. What are you predicting then for the game, score wise? So as I said, I'd take a draw. I think if I had to sort of give my statement there, I'd say I'd take a draw with a good performance. Draw and a scrappy, lucky draw might not encourage me so much. Maybe like a, a same as the reverse fixture, a one-one yeah. with, with a uh, with a good performance. So I'll probably go one-one. Yeah, I mean, it's all, all the time I come on these shows, I tend to sit on the fence. Um, I can again. It, it's tricky because as I, I do think Burnley the best team in the league. But then I'm edging. Do I think Albion might nick it? Maybe two. I'll go one-one because of your quality. Maybe if it was a team like Sheffield United or or, or a Watford or Blackburn, I think maybe we can come um, uh, and win. But because Burnley have been so good, I'll probably typically sit on the fence and appease everyone watching. Yes, no problems with that, mate. I think I were going to go one-one as well. So I, I think I think I'm going to go one-one. I think it's the first time this season I've not predicted a win probably someone will be able to dig out the fact that you know uh, that's that's just incorrect but I know I'm this season I've been I've been predicting wins probably earlier in the season I probably weren't as confident because we had a similar start to you not as bad because yours went on longer and your yeah. draws turned into defeats whereas our draws yeah. turned into wins and then we just yeah. started obviously just taking the piss um but I, I, I'm I'm thinking one one if we had Taylor Hayward Bellis and Jack Cork I'd be a little bit more confident um, but that coupled with the fact that we haven't been playing well, all right, we've been digging out results. Um, I, I will take a one-one right now against a very good and informed West Brom side. Well, there's one there's one thing Burnley fans should probably be interested in. Last night, um, Matty Phillips hobbled off uh, in the dying seconds in a game we didn't really need to play. And whilst Matty Phillips has taken his fair share of stick from Albion fans uh, across his what six or seven years at the club, he has been again like the whole team. He's sort of been. Um, an example of that, how rejuvenated um, the squad's been, and, and his form has been excellent. Putting a peach of a cross at Luton, unbelievable cross to to get the winning goal, and we looks like we're going to be without him, which I'm actually personally gutted about because um, I sort of I sort of laughing at times because I've, I've watched nearly every game he's played for Albion, and um, his inconsistency. He's one of those players when he's hot, he's incredible. When he's cold, he's, you know you would not, wouldn't have him any, anywhere near the starting eleven. And so it looks like he's going to be um, injured after a good run of form, and two. Thomas Asante is still suspended. Yeah, um, so I've a lot of pressure one. is on Daryl Dyke yeah. or Daryl DK. 
who's shown some good some some good glimpses and we'll see. We scored how, at, scored at Luton, didn't he, Dyke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fortunate yeah. goal I that. Yeah, Dyke. but I think yeah, yeah. He scared the goalkeeper, just ran into the ball and it went in. Um, but <laughs> you know, he's a presence. So I, I think we still I still don't really know too much about him. What type of players? We scored one goal against Reading as well, which is good predatory instinct. So hopefully he's going to get better and better. But a lot could depend on his performance too with with Asante, who I've re- been really impressed with uh, out suspended. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask you about injuries and suspensions, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you for that. Um, but that's it. We've we've hit the 35 minute mark. We've got we've gone a few minutes over, but that's because Matt, you've been a very good talker. No, sometimes been, it's yeah, difficult. It's like getting blood out of a stone. Sometimes, but you, I just say something and, and wind you up and let you go. I've enjoyed it, mate. We yeah, couldn't get a it. West Brom earlier in the earlier in the season, but you've just recently been added to the to the championship WhatsApp group that we're in, which I found I found it quite offensive that I added to that group at the start of the season, but it's ended up being fantastic for me. I've got I said, with all respect, we'll try and get out of it. Yeah, 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 exactly that. Exactly that. But thank you. Just, uh, just before I do wrap up, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you and, uh, and all your stuff and all, all your videos, reports, podcasts? So you can find me on Twitter at Matt Sport with an underscore on the end. Uh, you can follow WBA Report and listen to the podcast and good stuff that comes from that uh, on Twitter at WBA Report. I'm looking to get a Football Manager series going. So if you want to keep an eye out for that championship, it might be interesting to see how, see how we get on. So um, that could be one to keep an eye on too. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. But thank you for coming on the show, Matt. It's been a pleasure. Like I said, you've been a good talker. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> and of course, good luck for the rest of the season just after Friday, of course. Um, but thank you, you everybody too. for watching. Thank you everybody for listening. And... Um, I should be able to do a full-time show. Um, I don't know if it'll be on Saturday or Sunday. Um, keep, keep your eye out on the socials. I'll, I'll do one at some point. But thank you for watching and we'll see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.